How many of y'all had a role model growing up? How many of you had a role model growing up? You had somebody, you know, it, oh, come on now. You had that one person that, you know, I, some of us, it, they, they were different as we grew up. We grew up with different role models. Some of us may have had uh, a, uh, an athlete if you know, we said we want to be just like that person. It may have been a family member. It may have been you know, one of those people that we said we want to be this, whatever it is, when we grow up. Some of you know, us uh, we want to be a firefighter. We, we want to be an astronaut. I want to manage a McDonald's. Do it for the glory of God then. But whatever it is, whatever it looks like, whatever that was, we all have those role models. And oftentimes those role models are those people that are, they are the best of the best. If you're going to find someone that, that you want to model after, you're going to find the best of the best. If you're going, like when I was growing up, some of these, some of these teenagers might go, who's this? But when I was growing up, I loved football and it was Brett Favre. You know, I was a Green Bay Packer fan, go pack go today. Uh, but if you're a Falcons fan, it's all about Jesus anyway, it don't matter either way, but I hope that they lose. So, it was Brett Favre. It was Reggie White. It was all you know. All these, all these. Like I said, I love. I had the jersey. I had the. I had the, the 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 memorabilia in my room. All that, and it was just amazing. I loved it and everything. And you may be someone completely different. It may be uh, an actor. It may be uh, a leader, a teacher, somebody. But we find those best of the best, and we find those examples that are honestly we would probably consider really lofty and high in expectations. As a as a pastor, even as God called me into ministry, God brought the, the ministry of Charles, uh, Charles Spurgeon, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, into my life as I began to read books by him. If you don't know who Charles Spurgeon is, he was the, pretty much what you would probably consider the first pastor of a megachurch. Uh, he had he, he was a pastor over in London. He led tens of thousands of people in weekly services. And guess what? He didn't have any PA system. He had no microphone. He literally, the, the, the technology that was used at that time just baffles my mind that he was able to stand as pulpit, no mic, no, and yet proclaim to tens of of thousands of people, the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ, the hope found in salvation. And I've read his, I've read his biography, and I've studied over what that looks like. If you're looking at missionaries, my, my, the, my, the name that comes to my mind is Hudson Taylor. Uh, my youngest, my, my son, is, is named after Hudson Taylor. I was reading his autobiography as, as, as Kayla was pregnant with, with him, and I just felt there was this, this stirring. I was like, that is an amazing role model. I would love for my son to be the next Hudson Taylor. He carried the gospel, one of the first missionaries to move the gospel inland in Asia, and he walked and worked through that, and the, and the testimonies of what he had. We also think evangelists, we think of the big name, Billy Graham. I mean, if, you, if there's going to be a name that you think of, of evangelism, there's probably been no man that has impacted more people on this, on this earth than, than, than Billy Graham. Uh, but, but we look at these examples and we, and we set our mind on these, these lofty expectations. And then what happens if we're not careful when we're doing that? We get set up for ourselves for failure. And we start having the mindset that these things, that these talents or these abilities or these callings on our lives are only for those people that are accomplished and proficient and able to do these things. 
And if we're not careful, we do the same thing in our Christian life as we've looked in the book of Philippians and we've talked about the goodness of the gospel and the, and the fact that the gospel is going to promote, be promoted regardless of the circumstance. The cross is available for anyone and you can come to the cross. You can come and lay whatever it is down at the cross and we find hope, we find joy, and we find security there. We find we find love and grace and mercy. But then we started getting into what that should look like in our lives, that we're called to walk in humility, that we're called to walk in unity, that we're called to walk empowered by the grace that has been poured out upon us, that if we will receive his power, we will achieve his purpose in our lives, that we are called to walk in unity and humility. And we, if we're not careful, we start looking at these things and start thinking, okay, yeah, that's great, but that's not for me. Because the two examples that Paul gives in the, in the first couple of verses, the first half of chapter 2, are the example of Jesus and the example of his own life. And if, if, if we're not careful, we will begin reading these examples and we begin thinking, I want to be just like that person. And then we don't quite get it. You know, we all had that moment, you know, you probably if you were a young boy at one point, you had that moment where you saw whatever quarterback at the time was the leading quarterback throw a ball 60 yards and you picked up that football and you just reared back and chucked it and all and it went maybe 10, 15 yards. It's kind of like a deflating moment there for a second. We're like, well, dang it, I'm never going to be Brett Favre. No, that's okay, but that does not mean that you're not called to fulfill and called to be part of that opportunity. And, and the thing is the same within our local church. Because if we're not careful, the mindset that we develop as we walk this Christian life, as we read God's word, as we study and we see these examples, is we develop this mindset that the work of the gospel, that the work of the church is left up only for the professionals. I can never attain to be that person, so therefore it's really not for me. You know what? I'm never going to be like Jesus, this side of eternity, so it's really not for me. I will try, but if I fail, oh well, it's okay. I'm never going to be like Paul. I'm not going to be able to present, you know, to, to do great miracles or perform these great things. Or, so, I'm, so it's really not for, no. Here's what I want us to see. Because I believe that, that even as I was studying, I wanted, I, I so wanted to just look at this and go, and eh, we're just talking about two normal guys. It's no big deal. I'm going to skip right over that. We're going to go dive right into chapter three because chapter three is amazing. It's like a turning point in the book of Philippians. It is the climax of what God is doing. And I wanted to get right in. And the Holy Spirit said, Henry, back up. Hang on. Because I believe if we're not careful, we'll miss what God has for us. Let's look at the passage real quick and then we'll I'll share the takeaway and dive into it a little bit more. Philippians chapter 2 beginning in verse 19. It says, "I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly, that shortly 
I will be able to come. I hope, therefore, to send them to you just as I see it will go with me. I trust that the Lord, I, I myself, will come also. Verse 25, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my needs. For he has been longing for you and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near death. But God had, had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor, such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service. To me. Now, here's the thing that I want us to see. As we, as we unpack this, I, I want us to look at the idea and the mindset that if we're not careful, what happens in our lives is, again, we set lofty expectations, lofty goals, and lofty mindsets that says, it's, it's unattainable, I'm not going to be able to reach it, I can't do it, so I'm not even going to worry about it. The takeaway I want us to unpack out of this passage of Scripture is simply this. If anyone can come to Jesus Christ, then anyone can go with Jesus Christ. If anyone can come with, can come to Jesus Christ, then anyone can go with Jesus Christ. Write that down in your notes if you want to. Write that in scripture. Because I want us to understand that this calling is not just for the professional. Paul paints a picture of two men that are walking alongside of him. And guess what? That's not Jesus and it's not himself. Both of these men are everyday believers that have put their faith in Jesus and are walking to be faithful and seeking to be faithful to their calling on their life. And so here's the mindset, if we're not careful, that we carry. As Warren Wiersbe, as I was studying this, Warren Wiersbe said, it's impossible for us. This is the heartbeat, the mindset that we develop. It's a, he says, it's impossible for us to follow such examples as Christ and Paul. After all, Jesus is the very Son of God, and Paul is a chosen apostle who has, who has had great spiritual experiences. For this reason, as we see in this passage, Paul introduces to us two ordinary saints. Men who were not apostles or spectacular miracle workers. He wants us to know that the submissive mind, the humble mind, the unified mind is not a luxury enjoyed by a chosen few. It is a necessity for Christian joy and an opportunity for all believers. You see, if anyone can come to Jesus Christ, then any one of us can go with Jesus Christ as we live this life every day. We love the fact that we can come to Jesus Christ. We love the grace and the hope and the mercy that has been displayed on the cross. And we all desire, if, we, if our heartbeat is to be redeemed and to be forgiven, we desire to come to him. But when it comes to the idea of going with him and going out and living this life, we get a little hesitant if we were to be honest. We get a little nervous and we begin to start wondering, well, maybe, maybe that's not really for me. And believe for this very mindset that Paul gives us to ordinary believers, everyday believers, and sets 
three things that I want us to unpack as we look and we find in these everyday believers' examples. First thing that we need to unpack, that we need to see as we look at Timothy and Epaphroditus, is that the everyday believer, as we go with Jesus, we can go with a humble service. We see three, one, the, the first thing we see in these everyday believers' examples in Timothy and Epaphroditus is that there is a humble service about them. Look at verse 20. In 21, as Paul is talking about Timothy, he says, For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul is writing this letter in his prison in Rome. He's been arrested, he is in Rome, he is in prison there, and there we know, based on the letter he wrote earlier to Rome, that there are believers in Rome. There are believers in the church at Rome. There are possibly hundreds of believers, if not a couple thousand believers in the church at Rome. We don't know the exact number, but we know that there were people that had put their faith in Jesus Christ. And what does Paul say? He says, there is no one who will be genuinely concerned. But Timothy has this humble service that when it comes down to it, out of all these hundreds, there's no one to go for Paul. Paul is dying to, to check on those people that he's poured into, that he's ministered to, and no one is stepping up to the plate. Does that not happen in churches today? You, you've heard the saying that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And 80% of the people do none of the percent of the work, and then the other, so the other 20% is just left to, left to not be done? If we're not careful, we can develop that mindset that, that when it's go time, we can sit and talk about following Jesus. We can, we can study it. I just had a chance, I was talking with, with some students, and it, it, it's a great idea that we can study God's Word, but God doesn't call us just to hear God's Word or to think about it or to, or to read it. He calls us to do it. I don't believe that God desires us to sit there and say, God, I'm studying about serving you. God, I'm actually getting a small group together. We're going to talk about the different ways that we can serve you. You know what? We're going to study the Greek behind the word. We're going to pray over how we can be serving you. God, aren't you so pleased at what we're doing? And he's up there going, I don't see much doing at all. I don't think that would work, students. I don't think that would work for you if you went to your mom and said, Mom, I thought about what you said about cleaning my room. You know what, Mom? I thought long and hard about what you said about cleaning my room. In fact, Mom, I'm actually inviting some of my friends. We're going to have a little study on what it would look like if I cleaned my room. We're going to study. You know, I need you to write. Can you write that out? Because I want to study the original language. I want to know. We're going to memorize that you said clean your room. Aren't you proud of me, Mom? After I woke up from being knocked out on the floor, I'd probably get up and go clean my room. But that's what's happening in the church that Paul is ministering to. He's got a lot of people that are hearing God's word, but as James says, do it. And we find in the example of Timothy that when it's go time, Paul wants to know who is truly with him. And he says, guess what? Timothy's with me. Timothy's there. 
Timothy's walking. We either, see, we either live in a Philippians 1.21 mindset or a Philippians 2.21 mindset. Philippians 1.21 simply says this. It says, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. That's the mindset that Timothy was walking in. He's like, look, I'm here to live for Christ. But Paul says, Philippians 2.21, he says, the others, they all seek their own interests. So as God is calling everyday believers, every, and I want you to understand, I consider myself in that category with you. There is absolutely nothing special. And some of you are going, I know, trust me, Henry. I, I get it. It's okay. There's nothing special. We walk, these elders, we're not placing them as a lofty position so that they're higher and they have arrived. In the, but no, we at our core are everyday believers just like y'all. And it's our desire that every single one of us, we walk with these things in mind that there's a humble service. Look at Epaphroditus in verse 26 and 27. When Paul talking about sending Epaphroditus, he says, He has been longing for you all and, have been, and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Epaphroditus was actually a member of the church in Philippi. He was sent by the church in Philippi to deliver their ministry of giving to Paul. And on the way, he got sick, so sick that he almost died. And so his church is worried about him. And Epaphroditus has such a humble service and such a humble heart that he says, Oh my goodness, I got to get back to my people. I got to get back to my family. I've got to get back to my church. I've got to get back to my, to my faith family whom I love so dearly. He cared for Paul and his work enough to risk his life, but he longed for his home. It says he's been distressed. You know that, that phrase when it says he had been distressed because you heard he was ill. That is actually the same description that is given for Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. As Jesus is distressed over, the, over what is about to happen to his life. And yet Epaphroditus had such a humble service. So, so the question is, is where, where do we stand in this? Where do, you, where do you find yourself? Do you find yourself desiring like no one else? Say, you know what, if no one else, I, I don't care if anybody else does it, I'm going to do it. I don't, care what, I don't care what else happens. How can I walk in humble service? That's what, Paul, that's what Paul says of Timothy and Epaphroditus. And understand this. Some of you may be sitting there thinking, if you know anything about Timothy, you may be sitting there going, well, well Henry, Timothy was still a pastor. He still went on to pastor the church at Ephesus. So really, I mean, he's still... No, you've got to understand. Paul, and I was even thinking about, that, about this this morning. Paul challenges Timothy in his personal letter to Timothy. He says, let no one look down on your youthfulness. In other terms, let no one look down on you because you are young. We, we talk about that with students, and students understand. That, that, don't let anyone say that you're not old enough to follow Jesus or to make an impact for the kingdom. Paul challenged Timothy as he was pastoring. So he's already pastoring when he says that. In the Greek culture, if you were under 30 years old, you were considered young. You were considered you know, a youth. You, weren't, you hadn't arrived. You weren't able to serve on any councils. You weren't important enough to do anything. If you're under 30 years old, you were pretty much just meaningless. They were going to look, you were looked down upon automatically because of your age. 
And Paul challenges Timothy at that time when he's pastoring. So I don't know if he's 29. He could be mid-20s. He could be early 20s. We don't know. But at that time, he's still young. And that was after this time when Paul is walking, when Paul has Timothy with him. And so around this time, Timothy is maybe, I would probably estimate, maybe early to possibly mid-20s. He is not advanced or well, well thought of or anything like that in his walk. He's not a professional Christian yet. So when Paul is using this illustration, he's not saying, look to Timothy because he's another professional. No, look to Timothy because he's right there with you and I. But we know Yet there was a humble service about both these. Second thing I want us to see in this passage as we look at these two examples is that we find everyday believers should have a balanced growth. A humble service comes as, as we desire to follow Jesus, but there's got to be a balanced growth. What, it, what Paul says about Timothy in verse 22, it says, You know, but you know Timothy's proven worth. When you, say, when you say prove something, if you're asking for proof, that means you're not taking it right off the bat. You want evidence. You want something to be shown to you. You want it to be explained. And Timothy's proven worth means that there was a, a growth as they looked at Timothy's life that said there is something more about this guy. And this, he is at this point in his life, not serving in ministry. He's walking and volunteering and walking with Paul, but he's not in a pastor position, but yet it says that there is a proven worth. There's a balanced growth. When Paul shared the gospel, he shared the gospel in one of his missionary journeys. That's how Timothy came to know Jesus, was through the missionary journeys of Paul. But the moment Timothy gave his life to Christ, he didn't start walking and going on this journey with Paul. It actually says that he shared the gospel. Timothy, possibly through his, his mother and grandmother, came to know Christ. And it says years later, he came back through the area, and it says he discovered he was happy to discover that Timothy was well reported of by other believers. He actually wrote, as he is challenging Timothy, who is pastoring at this point in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and when it's talking about leaders, church leaders, in positions of leadership or important places of ministry, he says there's importance of permitting new converts to grow. Look, our heartbeat is that you walk and that you serve your God to the best of your ability and that you fulfill your purpose on your life. But it's not all about doing as much as it is about being. It's about being a follower of Jesus. As you follow Jesus, you're going to learn more about him. And guess what? As you follow Jesus and learn more about him, there's going to be a desire in your heart that says, I want to do more with him. I want to follow. I want to work with him. I want to. I want to share these go this gospel. I want to teach this principle. I want to. I want to exhort. I want to challenge. I want to whatever it looks like. It's a both and mindset that we we have to have a balanced growth. Uh, to, too many people, I've seen it in churches time and time again, when they take somebody, uh, in, in my very first church I served, that small little country church that was right in the middle of Tallahassee, Florida. But it was one of those little, it's just a small congregation, maybe 75 people. And, and we would, the, uh, I love the opportunity I had with students, but the problem that I, that I struggled with, I wrestled with, is so many times we would have people come into the church before they joined the church, before we knew if they were a Christian or not, we'd be saying, we're so glad you're here. Now, where do you want to start serving? 
whoa, what's your name again? Who are you? I don't, I mean, I'm, I don't want to put, I don't, I'm not going to put anybody out there. We, and that's, all we want you to know, we don't think you're weird. We just want to make sure you're not weird. That's, that's all it is, uh, you know, because that, that's what happened with me. They didn't check on me and y'all are just stuck with me now. See, so that's what happens when we don't. But there's this balanced growth that if we're not careful, we launch people out there before they have any idea what they're doing. And, if we're not, and what happens is they burn right out and they fall and they fail. However, the other side of that is that we have some people that will sit and just not worry about doing anything. All they want to do is grow and know uh, and, and, and walk very slow, okay? That's really what it comes down to. They're sitting there going, you know what, it's really not that big of a deal. When God is saying, no, walk, learn, know me, love me, live for me, Timothy's proven worth. We see Epaphroditus in verse 25. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. And look at the descriptions he gives to him. He says, my brother. Now, that could be given to someone who just came to Christ. If, you, if, if, if I've ever had the opportunity to lead you to Christ, I, I greeted you as, soon as you as soon as you confessed your sin. I greeted you. You're my brother. You're my sister. So it, that could be anybody. But he's probably not going to call a brand new person, a brand new believer, my fellow worker. And I know people that do fellow work, but when the going gets tough, we find out who the soldiers are. And it says, your messenger and minister to my needs. These descriptions are descriptions of people that, that desire to have a balanced growth. They understand, you are in a process. I am in a process. We are in this process in growing and walking with Jesus Christ. And his desire is that we walk in humility, in balance. Experience without teaching can lead to discouragement. And teaching without experience can lead to spiritual deadness. It takes both. Some people emphasize fellowship so much that they forget the furtherance of the gospel. It's us four and no more. We have this mindset that it's all about us. We don't care about anybody else. And we, can, we forget what God has called us to do. But then we forget. And then we also have the other side that we're so far out there. We want to we go, go. We leave people behind. And we, we have to walk as a family together in this and find this balance. And that's what these men had found. And so you have a humble service, you have a balanced growth, and the third thing you find as, as anyone comes to Christ, as, that anyone can go with Christ, as you go with Christ, the third example, the third thing we find is an enduring honor. You have a humble service, a balanced growth, and an enduring honor. Verse 23, Paul talks about Timothy, he says, I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. Now, many of us, we could look right over that and say, okay, that's great. Paul is sending Timothy. That, you know, what's the big deal? No, you have to understand. Timothy had walked with Paul. Paul considered Timothy, he, he says so many times, my son in the faith. He even says in, in verse 22, he says, Timothy's proven worth how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. Timothy was not only Paul's spiritual son and just a servant, because we see he is serving with Paul. He is at Rome. That's not where he was from. But what happens is he says, I will send. I, I hope, therefore, to send 
him. You know what Timothy becomes? Timothy becomes Paul's substitute. Timothy is Paul's son, and he's his servant, but he ultimately he becomes Paul's substitute. Paul says, look, if I can't go, then I'm glad I get to send Paul. If I can't go, if I can't, if I, if I can't get out of here, then I'm sending you Timothy. I'm sending you Timothy because there is no one that no one else I would that I, that I believe is genuinely concerned for you like him. So there's an honor for those who desire to walk and grow in humility and in their relationship with Jesus. Look at Epaphroditus in verse 30. It says, for he nearly died for the work. Of Christ, we see a humble service. Look at verse twenty-nine. It says, "So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men." Epaphroditus, again, we—if you want to take Timothy and try to write him off because he eventually becomes a professional Christian—we have nothing to go on about Epaphroditus except what Paul is sharing right now. We know he's not serving in that. He's not serving in a professional position. He's not serving vocational ministry. He's just walking with his Savior and with his friend, Paul. And Paul says he was, he's done such a great, he's done such a great service to me. He's walked in balancing humility. He's my fellow worker, my fellow soldier. He, gave, he almost gave his life for the gospel. So honor him. There is an honor waiting for every single one of us that will faithfully walk in obedience to Jesus Christ. It's an eternal honor. Understand, it may not come in this life. I don't want you to think, well, if I just, if I just follow Jesus, if I just serve Jesus, then he's going to bless me. Yes, he will bless you with every spiritual blessing. And guess what? Those are the best ones because they last for all eternity. So as Ricky comes up as the band is ready to close us our time, I want to have a time of response and I want to share, I want to share one thing. I had a chance to talk with a member who had just been started coming over the last year and uh, we, I went over to, to, to talk with him actually about small groups and we were just talking about a possibility, an option, an opportunity there and but the conversation led into their heartbeat and their desire was to, they had such a desire and a yearning to, to, to walk in that, but they were, they were feeling, they weren't sure about this, this idea. Is this, is this not something that's for everyone? Is this something that each of us are, are called to? Because I, I don't quite, I don't fully know. And we started talking and there was this illustration. The heartbeat, their heartbeat was to get plugged in and we started talking about this illustration that normally what, ha what happens in the life of the church, there are three types of people. You have three types of people that are probably that you quite possibly fit into. The first group of people you have are the people that are willing, ready. They are ready to go in the game. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. We are going. We are, we are we're running. We're getting this done today. They're excited about it. They, will, they are anxious, yearning, chomping at the bit. I can't just give me something to do. My heartbeat, I don't care. I'm not a professional Christian, but I'm a follower of Jesus, and I want to get out there, and I want to love him. I want to serve him. I want to live for him. Another group of people we have, though, are people that are honestly probably just content 
we're at, right where we're at, not, we're good with sitting here. Those are normally, they're not even on the field. They're probably in the stands. Then they're content with being in the stands. They don't want, but then there's this third group that falls in between that are possibly, they're on the, they're on the sidelines. They're not quite sure, but all it takes is a little nudge. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus is giving you your nudge today because if, if you can come to Jesus Christ, then you can go with Jesus Christ. How can you go? Understand that that we as leadership are seeing the need for this and and there are people that are really yearning to get in there and we're and it's one of those things we almost feel like we're not we're not moving fast enough we can't understand if that is you and you're you're desiring to get in there and you may have felt frustrated because like i just don't know what's going i don't know what i can do we're we're walking with you in this it's our desire even as elders as we meet and we're, we're meeting more often as we talk about the vision of our church and what the direction is and what that looks like. It's our desire to see every one of us go with Jesus Christ for the glory of God the Father. So we're walking with you in that. If your desire is to get plugged in into a serve group, into a serve team, or get plugged into a small group, write that down on your connection card. Ask for more information. Set up a meeting. Come talk with us. Let us know. But go with Jesus Christ today others of us as I said some of us may feel content right where we're at not really you know what I'm not serving anywhere I'm not being plugged anywhere I'm okay with that let me challenge you that is not the life that God desires for you that is not the life that God desires for you He doesn't want obedience. He wants your heart first and foremost. He wants your life. He doesn't want you to just get plugged in and serve. He doesn't want you just to to start walking in obedience and giving. He doesn't want you to to just start doing something. He wants your heart. He wants your life. He wants you to say, Jesus, I'm going to do this not so that I can love you, but I'm going to do this because you've already loved me. Timothy and Epaphroditus weren't doing any of this stuff so that they could be accepted by God. They had already been called and they couldn't help but love them. So my question is, how can you go with him today? Every head bowed, every eye closed. First off, the first question that I have that we have to answer as we talk about the everyday believer, there's a key word there that, that is a prerequisite for us if we desire to grow in this believer status, and that is being a believer. If you've never put your hope and your faith in Jesus Christ, if there isn't something that as we read this scripture, we look that stirs within you that says, you know what, I'm not doing it, or you know what, I am doing it, I want to do it some more. I, you know what, I love Jesus so much, I, there's just something in me that, if there's not that in your heart, then I would desire, I would would ask you to pray and ask God, is he really Lord of your life and of your heart? Is he really, is he really that important? Don't trust in a past prayer, but trust in a current relationship that says, God, I love you and I want to walk with you. God, I need you. I want to walk in humble service. I want to give. I want to, I want to grow in my relationship with you. I want, to, I want to seek out not my honor, but your honor, your glory. 
there's not that stirring, then I challenge you to search your heart and see, does the Holy Spirit dwell within you? Has has the, the work of Jesus Christ been applied to your life? And if it hasn't, you put your faith and trust in Him today. Today is the day of salvation. You respond accordingly. You repent of your sins. You thank Him for His forgiveness. And you surrender your life to walk with Him. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but you're going to follow. But for those of us who have done that, how is it that God is calling you to go with Him? in the life of this church, in the life of his kingdom that's being built in our community? How is it that God is stirring within your heart? How is it that you can walk and take another step, one step today? I'm asking one step. What is one step that you can take that says, I'm an everyday believer, but I want to walk in humble service. I want to walk in balanced growth. I want to walk in an enduring honor. that's baptism, you need to take the step of obedience and baptism, we have that coming up. Let us know. Write that on your card. If it's joining a small group, let us know. Write that on your card. If it's praying or being prayed for, let us know. Our heartbeat is to see God's kingdom and ministry fulfilled here in the life of His church. But you, if you have come to Jesus Christ, you are called to go with Jesus Christ. It doesn't stop when you exit these doors, it starts when you exit these doors. How can we go? If you need us to pray for you in any way, let us know how we can do that. We'll be off to the side. I'd love to talk with you. But you respond. If you need to come down, I'm telling you guys, obey God immediately. If he's saying, you know what, there's areas you need to repent of. Come down front, pray, repent of repent of whatever it is. Bring someone with you. Ask them to pray for you. Pray for them, whatever that looks like. Walk in obedience today. Respond to the Holy Spirit. Not, Don't be scared of what somebody else is going to think. Don't, I'm telling you, there's been so many times when God has laid on someone's heart to be the first one to move, and they're saying, no, I can't. And then they move, and they realize that somebody, somebody was waiting for somebody else to move. Whatever that looks like, obey God. We're going to pray. We're going to respond. We're going to respond in worship. We're going to respond in prayer. We're going to respond in giving. Our desire is that you be a faithful, everyday believer. You ain't got to be professional, but you do have to be His. Trust, believe in Jesus Christ this morning and walk with Him. Father, I love you and I thank you for the gospel. I thank you for the good news found in Jesus Christ. I thank you for the calling that is placed on every one of our lives. Not the lofty examples, God, the everyday believer. We are all called. If we've been called to come to you, we are called to go with you. If you have drawn us, then you send us. God, I pray that we would go with joy, with expectation, with hope. God, that we would fulfill our ministry. Whatever that looks like, we would walk in our spiritual gifts. If it's teaching, then we would teach with all of our might. If it's shepherding, we would shepherd with all. If it's giving, we would 
give a cheerful giver, if it is showing mercy, service, help, whatever that looks like, God, may we be obedient. Not so we can receive your love, but because we've already been given everything we need. God, empower your people today. Walk with your people. Bring people into your people, into your family this morning. And God, may you be honored and glorified. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Let's stand.